Welcome to the Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast with Croydler and Andrew. Episode 70 of the Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. That's our new jingle. It was sent in to us by Randy Newman. Uh, you may know Randy Newman right. from, from Toy Story and some other songs from Disney movies in the 70s. So kind of disappointed, disappointing tune if that's from him. If it was from you, it'd be great. But if it's from him, it's kind of disappointing. Well, to be fair, he did have, he has like, he sent me like sheet music with piano, uh, piano sheet music, I guess. <laughs> piano sheet music. And, <laughs> and uh, it's still very early. So my brain is still, still booting up, much like my computer was this morning. Gotcha. All right, this is episode 70. I am uh, Andrew Desimone here with... Riley Gracie. And, you know, this, I was thinking this morning, we may be coming to a point where we could do this face-to-face again. What do you think? I think we could, as long as timing works. Potentially, for people listening, this could be the last Zoom podcast you hear, and also the last Quarantine Chronicle. Corey, are you excited yeah. for that? I'm very excited for that. Well, I was just look, I was just looking at the schedule. Maybe maybe this week we could do it person to person. Well, we'll aim for that. So we'll you'll hear our crystal clear voices coming to you through your ears in that silky manner you were used to hearing for so long from us. Wow, you ready to just open up and let that that hot warm butter drizzle down into those ear holes? Of the listeners? <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> Just let it drizzle right over them. Bro. <laughs> All right. So this episode will be, like I said, maybe the last of the Quarantine Chronicles. So we will answer a few questions from listeners. First off, this is an Instagram question from Griffith. All right. So Griffith says two pieces for you guys. First, thank you for helping me keeping thank you for helping me keep sane during this quarantine you guys did a lot to keep my spirits up and all this well thank you griffith second i'm having a huge issue with being too passive rolling whenever i see a submission available i have issues pulling the trigger do you have any advice on how to get over that mental block oh well griffith i think you hit a little little too close to home for me so i'm gonna like try to take this one which we have actually talked about uh, specifically in the context of me doing the same thing. So I don't remember what episode that was. Probably would have been oof, maybe like 20 episodes ago. But uh, yeah, Corler, what, what advice did you give me when I asked a similar question? You know, it, it, it's, it's all about like having like a mindset shift. You know, if, you, if you're controlling and you seize opportunities and you don't take them, then then you're doing glorified wrestling you know what i mean like the the idea is to submit people and to submit them is to control them long enough to see those opportunities and then then you know pull the trigger but obviously that's that's the problem so how do you get over that um i think you you learn to fail forward you know i think it's easy to control and not ever move into a submission even if you see it because going for that submission may mean loss of control it may mean it may mean um you know failure it may mean somebody escaping you know turning the tide of the match and i think 
to get past that, you just have to kind of accept failing forward. <clears throat> Meaning it's okay to lose. It's okay to um, make a mistake. It's okay to get swept because you lost a little bit of control, you know, or whatever the case may be. Um, and if you're in an environment, in a school, a gym that, you know, doesn't foster that kind of mentality where it's okay to fail as long as it means growth, then, then you know, it's not a super healthy place to be. I think also, if Griffith, if you're anything like me, I, I would use the phrase in my head of uh, position over submission, and I would justify like not going for submissions because of that. Like, well, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I just really like to to get in the position of control and then stay here and, and just really, really make sure I have that control before I pull the trigger and. I think that is good unless you are extreme with it in that, in like my case, and you just go, yeah, I'm just going to wait for some control. And there, there goes like a Kimura opportunity, but you know what? I'm still safe. I'll still wait for something. And there goes an arm bar. All right. Just going to keep on waiting. And there goes a rear naked joke. You know what? But I'm still on top. Like that's, <laughs> it, it becomes, it becomes like uh, you're uh, you're standing next to a carousel and you just see like a, like submission after submission go by and you're like too afraid to like jump on the carousel, which might be a bad analogy because I don't think you're supposed to jump on moving carousels. So forget what I just said. I mean, or do it and see what happens. Just make sure it's recorded. All right. Our next question is from Chris and this is, he might, maybe he is, uh, he is the, the, he's the anti Griffith. His question is, he says, I like to be aggressive and keep my opponent moving. I'm always pushing to keep them on their toes. If I dictate where things are going, then they can't set up a game plan. Is this a good strategy? I'm aware that this, because is this a good strategy? Cause I'm also aware that it can make me vulnerable to submissions or being caught in certain uh, positions. Man strategy, like for what? Um, it depends really. Um, I think the better than calling it a strategy, maybe like an approach to grappling. And if it is, so, so the problem with leading the charge every time and having to dictate everything about the match from start to end, um, it means that you never work on your defensive game. You never work on your, on your ability to escape, your ability to sweep and reverse a situation because you're always leading that the pay, you know, the tempo of the match, which, which if you can do that, that's great. The downside to doing that is if you ever make a mistake and the opponent capitalizes on it, you will have no experience on, on your defensive side and on, and on recovery. And basically the, the game, the grappling match will end, you know, not, not to your favor. You know, the other side too is for your plan to work, you know, you have to have the perfect attacking system. And if it's ever not perfect, you know, it's just not, not good for you. I think I think it's always good to have a balanced game to where you can attack and you can defend because you're not always gonna be the best person in the room and and you need to be able to survive, you know, those bad spots too. You look at a guy like Hajir, who who arguably made no mistakes in his jiu-jitsu career. He still got triangled. He still got armbarred. He still, 
you know, got put in these really crappy positions, but he, he had a solid enough defense to escape those positions. When you say he and, made no mistakes in his jiu-jitsu career, but then you mentioned how he was submitted, did he not yeah, make... I, I, I mean, arguably, right? So, like, if you if you watch his matches, like, I think I think it was today that triangled him. I think today triangled him early on in like ninety ninety nine two thousand, and it was super. I mean, it was deep, and arm is extended. It might have been it might have been somebody else, but I think it was today. But anyways, um, you know, the guy did a very good job of exploding into a submission. Yeah, there wasn't even a Celia setup. It was just a pure athleticism and you know you know if, if Hodger only had an offensive game he would have lost there uh, but he had a good enough defensive game that even though he was in a, a horrible position he managed to escape and then turned around and submitted the the guy you know so I think you know anybody that's that's overly uh, you know aggressive you, you they tend to be weak on their defensive game and they tend to have patterns. And if those patterns are broken or if they make a mistake, they can capitalize, they fail. So I think at first, you know, if you're a white belt or maybe even a blue belt, that's okay. But I think as you go through up onto the ranks, you should work in a defensive game as well. You ever have a... So a style that was like a, what you, you classify as a too aggressive style. Me? Mm-hmm. Like First growing thing, up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, until, yeah, I mean, until I was like 15, 16, 17, I was, I had to, I had to put people, you know, in positions where they couldn't do anything, you know, and as long as I did that, I came out ahead, which was great. Um, but every once in a while, you know, when I couldn't do that, um, you know, things were as fun. This next question is for me because I just thought of it. When you're Zooming with someone, what percentage of time do you spend looking at yourself and what percentage do you spend looking at them? I don't know. It's split screen, so pretty much I look at the screen. I see it. Why? <laughs> you said pretty much when you look at the screen, what? I see both of you. I see you and I. Yeah, but you have the option to look at you or me, like right now, I'm hopping back and forth. What per, do you look at yourself more or do you look at me more? I don't know. I think when you're talking, I look at you. And then when I'm talking, I think I look at the keyboard. I think I look at myself 90% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start doing shit in the background and see if you notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you could do this next one completely negative. I probably at the very end just go, all right, well, oh my, wait, oh my God. Do you, are you, have you been naked this whole time? <laughs> okay next question is an email and this one is from i think he pronounces his name aryan r-y-a-n is that's my that's my guess uh he says two-part question here how does david beat goliath in real life can a 170 pound 511 black belt man with mma experience beat for example a Oh, oh God, this guy, you'll, what's the mountain? How do you pronounce the mountain's name? It's like Hapthor Julius Bjorgensen. It was like Thor, Thor something. Yeah, that, yes, that's that, his first name. That's just easy. Yeah. Basically, yeah. How does, how does a normal average size guy beat someone 
that size, 400 pounds of just muscle, who has no striking or grappling experience in a street fight. Uh, what submissions would work best? What takedown strategy? What take t- takedowns? What kind of strategy? And he says, overall, what submissions, takedowns, strategies work best for the smaller guy versus the bigger guy in like a street situation? He said, I know you guys did an earlier podcast on this, but I think it's a good topic and very related to the origins of BJJ and Hoist's early success in the MMA. Also, there's a big debate for McGregor versus the Mountain. Um, so how, how big is he again? Uh, the, the Mountain or this guy? No, this guy. Well, he uses the example of a 5'11", 170-pound guy, so I'm going to assume that's him. Oh, that's like hoist. That's like hoist, hoist size. Maybe um, he's referencing. Um, you know, the, the, the reality is big people may seem intimidating if, if you're not, you know, trained. But the, the, the more training you have, the more you realize that, you know, they, they will break and they will be put to sleep just as easy as anybody else. And, and they're not any different. Um, there's obviously more mass involved and definitely things that need to be considered. But at the end of the day, they're human. You know, somebody that big, you have to understand that there is a cost to being that big. The, the moment that you, you start getting to 300, 400 pounds, um, and then you you add on that those that weight is mostly muscle. Um, you can get uh, what's called like muscle bound, where like you can't move in certain directions. Your muscles are just too tight, and they restrict joint movement. So they usually will have limited like restricted movement or limited movement, limited range of motion. It also means that to power all those muscles, it takes a bigger gas tank. You know. And generally speaking, they don't have a gas tank to follow that muscle mass. So they will, they will burn their, you know, energy reserves far faster than somebody who's smaller would. Um, There's also a lot more weight to be moved around, which is usually people are concerned about the size, but the reality is that weight also tends to make them smooth slower, you know, tends to make, you know, I mean, you're talking about like on the athletic physical side of things, mm-hmm. while they may be very strong and heavy, they tend to be slow with limited range of mobility and they tend to burn out faster. So my advice would be to not take them down right away. There's nothing more exhausting than grappling on your feet. I think I would keep the, the, the grappling or the fighting on the feet for about a minute to a minute and a half, which would be sufficient to get this person tired out. It would get, uh, get your feel for distance and how close and how far away they are and how close you need to be in order to enter for a takedown. Um, the style of takedown, I would never get underneath somebody like that. I would never shoot like a double leg or a single leg because at worst, if they fall on you, like that's, that's just, even if they don't know anything, that's a very, shitty place to be i would look more for a you know ideally a body fold or um tripping you know to where like i'm never my position's never compromised um and then once he hits the ground it becomes a matter of um taking your time again so that they, they burn energy when they don't need to um and I, I wouldn't necessarily go for joint locks um i would go for chokes because 
you can get people that are so ridiculously strong that they can fight out of or resist a joint lock for a long time. But the reality is, you know, six seconds after choke is applied, you can resist all you want. You're going to go to sleep. You know, like there's not, like my grandfather used to say, there's no tough guys when it comes to choking. I'm wondering if I could even get my whole arm around that guy's neck, though, <laughs> to set up a rear naked. Oh, you could. You think so? I have no doubt. Uh, now, if I had to take him, I'm, I'm, now I'm just imagining myself fighting the mountain. If I had to take him down, could I body fold someone that massive? So maybe not a, not a, a traditional body fold where you can kind of just suck the hips in and push them back, but you can do a combination of, you know, body folding. You can use your legs to pull their legs out. You know, you can, there's, there's things you can do to create an off balance. It could be a movement thing, you know, where you, they engage and then you change directions. You know, again, the, there's, there's downsides to being that big. Yeah, I, th- I think I would do if, if we were just fighting in a field, I'd, I'd, I'd be a lot more comfortable where I could just maybe run around them in circles and try to. I could do that anywhere, really. I don't think you could keep up. Yeah, but no, I'm saying that, that would be a good setting as opposed to like a small bedroom that we had to fight in. I don't know why. I don't know why he and I, I find mean, ourselves in a small bedroom. Don't ask that that question. But uh, I mean, I would be more concerned about that than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm like a high class escort, and like he didn't pay me. And I'm like, dude, you gotta pay me. Like now, now, like we gotta, I gotta beat you. I gotta if you're beat. a high class escort with him, you might not be alive afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I, I will have no energy to fight anybody for maybe ever. Yes. I was also thinking if I if I could like get like run around behind them, I could try to. I, I couldn't even get my arms around the guy's waist. Probably like it would. I don't think I I couldn't lock my hands together. Maybe maybe not. Maybe not. But even getting behind somebody like that, there's different things you can do from behind to get them down. To get them down, you know. Um, there's, there's different leg trips, there's different, you know, ways you can tie up a knee and and get people to the ground. Um, there's always, there's always a way. Okay. Let's do this. Let's, uh, we're going to set up a situation. It's the mountain versus me. I'm going to, I'm going to go through, I'm going to, I'll role play this and you, you critique me. Okay. Okay. All right. The mountain is. He's my mailman, okay? And he's he's walking he's walking up to my mailbox and he pulls out a letter and then he looks at my mailbox and he looks at me and I'm like standing there like waiting for the letter and he just throws it in a puddle and keeps on walking. And I say, Hey, that was really rude. You shouldn't have done that. And he looks at me and he says, What are you gonna do about it? Pencil neck. I said, What? did you just call me? I said, my mom is the only one who calls me pencil neck. And I run up to him and I, I say, let's go. And then just like a video game goes round one begin. And then we both start just like kind of like just bouncing, getting ready to fight each other. Now I, my first move, I run, there's a tree next to me. I run at the tree. I run up like three steps to get like some elevation. And then I kick off the tree. Okay. 
I'm in the tree. I'm about eye level with him. I rear my fist back and I punch him in the nose. I land. How are we doing so far? What do you think? Any, any critiques so far? It's horrible. What? Did, do I need to explain what I just did for you again? I mean, no, I understand what you did. I think just a horrible strategy with a guy that big. Right. Like so, you're not hitting him. Well, but I, I mean, I, I really evened the playing field by getting up to his level and punching him in like <laughs> a soft spot. Sure. <laughs> All right. So you're a little skeptical. So I hit him, I land. And then he goes, and he sweeps with like big slow arm trying to grab me and I duck and he knocks the, uh, the mailbox right out of the ground. And I run up, I grab the mailbox and pick it up. Like it's, I have it by like the base. So it's like a hammer almost. Mm -hmm. I reel back, I swing and I hit him right in the knee and it, buckles his knee and he, he fights over he falls down he goes, so he's he's kind of on his knees now but even him on his knees he's still got about two feet on me so so then i i take the mailbox and i lift it up and i i go oh looks like delivery day just arrived and i stab it through his heart no, I stabbed it down his down his mouth like like so. As I was say yeah, that, that would have been more epic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I stab it through his heart. He falls back and he's still still alive. And I hop on top of him and I put my thumbs in his eyes, just like he there did we go to uh, that guy in, in the show, and I just squeeze and his whole head collapses and like jelly in my hands. I, I'm okay with that. I think that's a good way to finish that fight. Yeah. More effective than the, than the Superman punch off of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's riskier. I admit that, but it has a very high payoff. I don't think so. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the video of him fighting McGregor? I mean, they're playing, but have you seen the video of, of him and McGregor? Yeah. You know, and and I think that video very much highlights the the you know the flaw in in striking arts, and it's not that they're not effective or that they can't be effective, but there's always a limitation to the size. Mm -hmm. You know, McGregor is probably one of the hardest punchers in, in the UFC and he could hit him all he wants, you know, as long as Thor at some point falls on him, McGregor doesn't have a chance, you know? Yeah. So. All right. Let's redo the last part of his question. He says, also bonus question. Does jujitsu work on animals? Bryce Mitchell from the UFC claimed to rear naked joke a deer. What's Croyler's thought on this? What are the top five biggest animals that jujitsu can work on? <laughs> um, I, honestly, I don't know why it wouldn't work. Uh, you know, the reality is most animals' bodies function much like our own. Um, but I, I don't think that's ever been tried or, or recorded, so I, I couldn't say for sure. But just on a theoretical side of things, I don't see why it wouldn't work. I mean, there's footage of... Um, there's a, uh, a kangaroo that 
choked out another kangaroo. Have you ever seen a video? I don't think I have. Oh, he slaps on a rear naked choke and puts a kangaroo out. Like they're punching each other and they're kicking each other. And then like he just puts his hands down and walks right after the kangaroo and just like puts the rear naked on and puts him out. Wow. And, like, leaves him leaves him leaves him dead. <laughs> Where did he train? I somewhere in Australia. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> I mean I've heard that Australia's jiu-jitsu scene is just like exploding. I didn't know it was like interspecies as far as it's really apparently it is. Apparently it is. I'll send you the video when we're done. It's okay. it's very entertaining. Um but there's other I've seen other instances where like you know um certain chimps and things like that they will they will do certain grappling things but um as far as like human and animal i mean i, I don't know i have no idea um I, I assume in theory you could slap a rear naked on just about any animal out there and they'll go out all the same <laughs> but i i like how serious and like uh, like Ernest, you were in answering that la- that part there. You just kind of like you flapped about these chimps and uh, kangaroos, and then went, yeah. <laughs> then your face got serious, like you're answering a legitimate question instead. But I mean, oh no, part, part part of me is really curious. Like, would it work? And and you know, like a giraffe, a giraffe. You have you have a very. I think it could be done. Yeah, I think you, it could be done. Okay, do you think you're better off choking at the base or at the No, tip? near the head. Near the head, man. Near the skull. Always near the skull. Okay, so you so you go up to the tip. And then uh, if, if we're going up against... I mean, the only... Yeah, the animals that are... Have, that are, are, are too thick around the neck would be... Would, would, would be disqualified. But... Uh, oh, man. A turtle would be you'd have to sneak up on the turtle because <laughs> i think uh, i think the other problem with choking animals would be the ethics <laughs> that that yeah there is that but i think as as far as like on a practical side i think um you know we and i'm, I'm not talking about like domestic animals i'm talking about like wild animals like the idea of um even as humans, like there's like we're, we limit ourselves to what we can and can't do because we have a like an innate sense to not hurt ourselves. But you know, if you ever see like like wild animals fighting, they don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll dive off of a fucking cliff if they have to. Like you know, we'll, we'll go down swinging. And uh, I think that's something that anybody grappling a wild animal wouldn't consider is like the fact that. The, their instinct for survival may outdo their uh, uh, instinct to live, you know? Mm. So, like, they, they'll they'll do shit that may hurt them later as long as they survive now. I'm going to turn part of what you said into a like inspirational PSA of you saying, you know, sometimes people limit themselves. They don't think that they can attack they don't think they can. Yeah, sorry. No, you're more like they don't think they can attack other species, <laughs> but sometimes they can. Don't let your own limitations limit who you attack. I believe in you. I am Carter. Wow. I am the Batman. Wow. Okay. All right. I didn't know I sounded like the Batman, or that the Batman sounded like that. But but thanks. I think. 
Hey, Christian Bale's done being Batman. Batman can sound like anything we want it to now. That's true. That's true. I prefer more of like a, mm, hello, it's me, Batman. Ooh. I think that would be. You should audition. You should audition. <laughs> I would love to see him fight like Gotham's like darkest criminals with that. Oh no, look. Try my battering. Bang. <laughs> That's oh no. way too well practiced. Where's my zippy hooky gun? <laughs> zippy hooky gun. <laughs> you need to like you need to seriously consider auditioning. I've, just an audition tape just like that. I've always had a beef with people who have portrayed Batman that they don't use the cape to be more dramatic. Kind of like like dancers with the big dresses or like <laughs> I want that more with Batman's cape. Like, like when bad guys come up, they're like, get away, stop it. And he's like, just like throwing it in their face. All right. All right. I let's, let's, I, I say, I say you dress up in a costume. Okay. And I'll, I'll record you auditioning a scene, recreating a scene from one of the previous Batman movies. And then we'll send it to, you know, producers and see what they, what they think. And, uh, if it's a no, then we can just put it on Instagram and make it go viral. It'll be a callback to like the origins of Batman in like television where we saw him being sure. very camp. I think I this think is we, your time to shine. I think the world needs a more lighthearted Batman right now. Batman always talks about he'll be whatever Gotham needs him to be. Well, right now, Gotham needs him to be just silly and stupid again let's 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 record this i think we can do this all right everyone well thank you for listening this week next week you may hear us uh on a clear format with maybe a topic it's been a while since we've done a topic so maybe we'll do one of those again yeah yeah that'd be nice all right well that'd be nice you can't wait to finish this episode to yawn like that that is so unprofessional (laughs) you know it's early we're out here it's early we're out here just trying to get sponsors and you're here just yawning in the mic what are you (laughs) what are you gonna do next just like like fart in it that's what i think to your question no i i don't think i could do that (laughs) not yeah i forgot you have that medical thing where you're unable to pass gas i'm sorry i didn't mean to bring that up in front of everybody yeah it's kind of insensitive well every time curler tries to release gas through his anus it always comes out through his mouth it's really it's really rough if you're talking to him sometimes he'll just it looks like a burp but it's really what i think the medical term is in his his oral flatulence and that's that's what he does i wonder how many people are going to look that up to see if it's real (laughs) (laughs) i don't know well maybe Maybe just burping is called oral flatulence. I don't know if flatulence is 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 specifically for things that come out your butt. Do you? Yeah, well, I have no idea. That's that's. I think that's a. That's, I mean, you're an English major. You should be able to. Uh, I know. I don't. I unfortunately, I can't say like. Well, actually, the Latin word flatu flatula means butt uh, or bottom, <laughs> and. <laughs> So that's what uh, that's what flatulence refers to. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll I'll look it up. We'll we'll talk about it next time. All right, next week we're film we're recording face to face. It'll be on oral flatulence. Thank you, everybody.
All right. Uh, that's a weird way to end this episode. So let's just, it is. Uh, <laughs> let's just say, uh, go enjoy your day and pretend that we were just talking about something more sophisticated. Have a good week. Yeah. What Andrew said. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>